0: Welcome to War Stories. I'm Preston Stewart, and this is a show where we talk about America's military history through the lens of individual acts of heroism and valor. Enjoy. Today, we have the story of Private Marcario Garcia. Garcia was serving with Bravo Company, part of the 1st Battalion, 22nd Infantry Regiment, Rolled up under the 4th Infantry Division during the Second World War. Specifically, we're going to talk about actions in November of 1944 in the Hurtgen Forest, which is an area in Western Germany, kind of on the Belgian um, German border. Now, a couple of things of note before we dive in. Uh, but first off, is pronunciation. I'm sure that there are going to be a handful of names, or there's a couple of locations in here that I just am not confident in the pronunciation, so bear with me. And one of those right away is Garcia's first name, Marcario. I don't know if that is exactly how it's supposed to be pronounced, um, but nonetheless, Garcia, as a spoiler alert, is going to be the first Mexican-American recipient of the Medal of Honor. So it's a story worth talking about, a story worth sharing, and I'm excited to dive in. So let's back up a little bit, and there's a few things I want to hit on. And the first is going to be Hispanics in the military during the Second World War. It is, I struggle at least, to look at the second world war military and understand how we were working through race relations at the time. Right. So we're talking real, you know, really the 1940s, 1941, 1945, that window on or about. And I I just can't nail it down if that makes sense. Right. So we had segregated units, absolutely had segregated units in the Navy there were black sailors could only be used in we'll call it support roles in in the army we had and I'm I'm glossing over to high level but in the army we had segregated black units some that were in support roles some that were in combat but were were entirely black units like we couldn't mix like we couldn't have black soldiers in 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 normal units then we had things like the 442nd Infantry or the 442nd Regimental Combat Team, I know there's a couple different names they've gone by, that was exclusively for Japanese, second, third, first generation Japanese-American soldiers. And they were sent over to the European Theater in Italy. And again, it was almost an exclusive, it was almost a entirely segregated unit. I say almost because I don't believe it was 100% segregated, but if not, 100% is very, very close. Or at least that was the intent. Conversely, we had a lot of Hispanic Americans fight in the Second World War to include people like Garcia. that wasn't, He wasn't even an American citizen, but they were not necessarily in segregated units. So there were segregated units. Well, that's not the right way to say it. There were all Hispanic units in the Second World War. The ones that come to mind have to do with you know things like the 65th Infantry Regiment was the Puerto Rico National Guard. So it was made up exclusively of Puerto Rican soldiers. I don't know that I would necessarily call that a segregated unit. At least, not in, it's not intentionally segregated. It's just made up entirely of Puerto Ricans. Um, but outside of that, it wasn't the same as we saw for Black soldiers or or Asian American soldiers. We had more. There's more integration with Hispanic soldiers who made up about three percent of the overall military during the Second World War. So that's what I mean when I say it's hard to nail down what was the logic and how the, you know, you're dealing with people that grew up in a certain, you know, with certain beliefs and expectations shaping that policy that's enforced by 1941 and, and runs the course of the second world war. And I guess sometimes I just don't know exactly what they were trying to get to. Right. Um, now One piece we'll hit on here before we get into the history of, uh, you know, Hurtgen Forrest and Marcario Garcia is one thing we've seen over and over again, especially diving into medal of honor citations is prejudice that has prevented soldiers based on religion. We saw some Jewish soldiers be withheld um, recommendations, even in the Korean war um, and race as in soldiers weren't awarded or weren't submitted for certain awards based on race. And, it's hard to discount that just you you know you know it's, it's one of those where we saw it happening in the rest of the country for the next 20 30 years overtly it's hard to think that that wasn't happening regularly in the military in in the 1940s but it's also a case of you don't know what you don't know so if something happened and that that was not recorded because of prejudice then that's just lost to history it sucks it's no good but But there's going to be a lot of cases that we just don't know about because of that. That said, when we look at the Medal of Honor recipients for Hispanic Americans in the Second World War, you have to think that there was some level of prejudice that carried from that that we saw affecting um, other minorities in the military. But one to one, you end up seeing kind of a connection here. Hispanics made up about 3% of the military. And they account for about 3% of the Medal of Honor recipients from the Second World War. When I was looking into that, I expected that number actually to be pretty far skewed. But I don't know. In, in turn, I just can't take much from that. It, it's, you know, maybe that means there were more recommendations there than, than there were for black soldiers or, or um, Asian American soldiers in similar circumstances. I don't know. It's, it's, again, to kind of wrap up this piece here, it's really hard to understand where people's minds were you know, going back 60 years and really going back further than that to understand the policies in place by the time the Second World War kicks off. But nonetheless, throughout the Second World War, Marcario Garcia is serving with the 4th Infantry Division, the 22nd Infantry Regiment within that. Now, the 4th Infantry Division landed on Utah Beach in June of 1944 as operations kicked off, really kicking off a Western front in the European Theater of Operations. So Germany has been at war well, for a couple of years, but they have a, you know, we'll call it a hot war, if you will, in Russia by 1941, Operation Barbarossa kicks off in uh, in 1941. They're fighting in the Soviet Union. There's, of course, very early on in terms of the United States involvement in the war, conflict in, in North Africa and then in Italy. So we're getting into the fight, but really the major Western front, that won't be open until June of 1944. So you know, I called the Soviet Union the hot front. There, there was still fighting going on in the Western Front, but it wasn't until June that we had a, a sizable allied force on the ground in France trying to push from west to east into Germany to end the war. Now, the fighting in and around Normandy, kind of the Battle of Normandy, as, as it's called, it's loose. It's kind of an interesting battle because it's a lot of little fights, a lot of really deadly, bloody little fights that kind of make up this overall battle of Normandy. That took uh, that took a while. That was pretty nasty, but really by the end of August, you're seeing kind of the last bits of resistance in France from the German army, which is really fast. I'm sure if you're on the ground in 1944, summer of 1944 it doesn't feel that fast. But remember, summer of 1944 is three and a half years after Germany went into the Soviet Union. They're still fighting there. There's still fighting going on in Italy. Remember, we're running up against these these incredibly robust defensive positions across Italy. We've been we're going to fight in Italy for the duration of the war. So to think that in two months, two and a half, three months, we've just about cleared France of German forces, it really gets to feel like we're on a roll here. So by September, the Allies put in place a plan you know think of it like in in retrospect i think we can say that this was more of a long shot than than realistic but it was hey we're on the move germany is retreating fast let's take our shot and our shot or the shot the goal the plan was something called operation market garden operation market garden kicked off in september of 1944 it was just about a week long operation and the idea with the operation was to move into the Netherlands, just kind of on the northwest side of Germany. We dropped a ton of paratroopers in from the 101st, the 82nd, and a handful of British units and more. The idea of securing some bridges and allowing ground elements to link up and essentially open a northwestern or a northern more northernmost front into Germany. The rough thinking at the time was Germans, Germans defend the, the Germans defenses through central and Southwestern Germany f- facing France, you know, somebody who they've gone to war with twice in the last 30 years, we're going to be a lot more substantial than in the North with the Netherlands and Belgium, where they've never really been concerned about having to defend against an attack from either of those countries. So, the goal of doing that in September was you're watching the German army retreat. You don't know if that's ever going to stop, right? Once an army starts retreating, it actually takes a lot of effort to get them to stop, regroup, refit, reorganize, dig in, and fight again. Now, a a disciplined army, I mean, at any level, it's when you start to see, you know, it's, it, it turns things into a route. There's there's a Whatever that, that size element is in your mind, think of that. You know, it might be 100 people. It might be 10,000. might be a division. might be an entire Western Front. But you have the picture in your mind of when guys are standing and fighting, it's relatively organized, and maybe they take a step backwards, or maybe they bound backwards a little bit at a time. But when you start to see people on your left and right turn and run, well, you don't want to be the last one standing there when all of your buddies have taken off. That's kind of what we're seeing across France is as the German resistance is failing in certain areas and the Allies are making headway through France and and through Belgium, quite frankly, at this point, you're seeing German units have to pull back. Remember, they're more concerned with protecting Germany than they are protecting France. Um, They need to dig in somewhere. And as they're falling back, we, the Allies, are advancing forward and you don't know, is there going to be a point where they're going to dig in or is this it? And it's reasonable to think in summer of 1944 that this was it. Germany had been at war for a long time. This it's you know they were fighting a an entrenched. Well, they were fly, fighting you know essentially to a stalemate in Italy. It's a deadly deadly fight in Italy. They had at this point of the war. I want to say it was 500,000 troops down there. That's no small amount. They had well more than that in the Soviet Union, and their losses to the east are staggering. And now you've got the allies marching through France, through Belgium, maybe through the Netherlands. We'll see if Mark and Garden's a success, right? Into Germany. It's, it's just, you know, I lose sight sometimes and, and, and forget how stretched thin Germany had to be. They're just not that big of a country and they're getting it from all sides. So it's not crazy in summer of 1944 when Operation Mark Garden was planned to think that, hey, this might be it. And the overall goal of Market Garden, again, was to move through the Netherlands with airborne troops, securing bridges, ground forces coming through and linking up. And then the saying, and remember, it's always dangerous when you hear this in a military operation, is home by X. This was home by Christmas. Nazi Germany would fall by Christmas. We'll hear this again throughout military history. It's It's a common refrain. Because remember... It's easy now to look back and think of these as very calculated moves at every level. But every single person involved in this chain, from from Eisenhower and Montgomery, all the way down to the the soldiers on the ground, they're tired. Nobody wants to fight a war for six years. Nobody wants to know, like, if you're engaged in deadly, deadly combat and watching your buddies die, you want to have something that you're working towards. And if you think that something you're working towards is three years down the road, are you going to give today your 100% better save some in the tank? Cause you've got three more years of fighting. But if you legitimately think, Hey, it's September, they're saying that in three months we could be home. We just have to complete this operation. You can see how phrases like that take hold and why there's, it's so tempting to use it. I don't want to say there's some value in it because you, you run a lot of risks when you do that, but there is, the, you can understand how it would be used. You know, hyping up the troops. Hey, we got them on the run. Give me three more good months of fighting and we'll get you home. Unfortunately, Operation Market Garden would not be a success. And what that would do was kind of stop the Allied advance for the year. We kind of went all in on that one. And with Market Garden kind of coming to a halt, we had to relook how we were going to work our way into Germany. And now all of a sudden, the way into Germany is really going to be through Belgium. and, and through parts of France. Now that we're going to see a little more heavily defended areas. And there's one area in particular that we need to move through. And we already have troops there. So, you know, something to keep in mind here is when we look at these operations kind of at a big level, like, you know, we have D-Day, and then you have Market Garden and now we're going to get into something referred to as the Battle of the Hürtgen Forest. It's not like everybody comes back home and sits down for a few weeks and then says, well, I guess it's time for the Battle of the Bulge. Let's go, let's go get after it. There's constant fighting happening throughout positioning, you know, fighting for position and and maneuvering across the battlefield. These are just some of the major operations that we're hitting on. So after Market Garden stalls out, the operation ceases, we look for these other areas to move into Germany. And that takes us again to the Herken Forest. This is a forest in um, Western Germany, pretty central Western Germany on the uh, Belgian-German border. And it's pretty nasty, pretty thick forest, a little bit. You know, it has a lot of general characteristics of what you would see in and around Bastogne later made famous, you know, from the Band of Brothers series and the books and, and some of the deadly, deadly fighting there in a battle that we're going to mention here shortly. But we have troops involved in fighting there. And, and what we're going to do in 1944 is something at a large scale called Operation Queen. Operation Queen is a one month operation, although it's not designed to be a one month operation when it kicks off. And it's going to be a way to get us across the Rhine River, establishing footholds into Germany, not, well, they're already in Germany, but establishing footholds east of the Rhine and, and kind of remove that barrier. So in early 1945, we can push on and try to finish the war once and for all. you know, getting across this river is going to be a major, a major event. It's a natural area for the Germans to defend because it canalizes movement over certain bridges and through certain areas. And then they can easily blow these bridges as needed. As soon as they decide they're going to fight on the other side of it, we have to seize the bridges very, very quickly to have these river crossings. So there are troops involved in some fighting in this area known as the hurricane forest. And and looking back now, it's referred to as about a three month fight known as the battle of the hurricane forest. It's incredibly deadly, incredibly dense, but this time period ends up kind of being forgotten. And, there's still a lot of information out there today about the Hürtgen Forest, but what we miss is the Hürtgen Forest battle that includes soldiers like Mercario Garcia and the 4th Infantry Division wraps up on December 16, 1944. It wraps up on that date because that is when the Germans launched their last major counterattack of the war, something referred to as Wacht Am Rheem. There's another pronunciation I'm not confident of. It's codename for Watch on the Rhine and what we call now the Battle of the Bulge. So as American forces are trying to establish this beachhead over the Rhine, the Germans are holding on more than expected. They're facing stronger resistance than expected. People like Marcario Garcia and his men, as they're moving through this dense forest, are running into Germans that all of a sudden are holding their ground and fighting hard. That's not to say they haven't been fighting hard throughout the conflict, but but something happened. Now we were talking earlier about how you watch an enemy that is retreating, and you have to wonder, at some point, are they going to turn and stand and fight? Are they going to dig in? Are they moving back to a defensive line? That's what happens in November, December of 1941, 1944, excuse me, in this area known as the Hurricane Forest, when soldiers, when units like Bravo Company, 122 Infantry, part of the 4th Infantry Division, and Marcario Garcia, now serving as a squad leader, as a private, are assaulting through the forest and they run into stiff, stiff German resistance their entire company is pinned down by a group of German machine guns. Now, as they're pinned down, and here comes this coordinated fight that just can wreak havoc on troops. The machine guns pin down the American soldiers. They have to go to ground. It's death to be up above the ground. So they're, they're on the ground. And at that point, those machine gun teams or somebody nearby starts calling in mortars and artillery on top of the Americans that can't move. So American soldiers from Bravo Company, Marcario Garcia's unit, had the option. Stand and run, get cut down by machine gun fire, or wait and hope that you don't get destroyed by the sizable artillery and mortar barrage that starts impacting all around your position. Pretty tough spot to be in. So now wounded, Garcia, wounded in the initial barrage, starts crawling forward to the first machine gun position. Well hidden, well defended. He gets within hand grenade range of that position, starts lobbing grenades in and around the bunker. In the process of that, he destroys the position and kills all inside, including a couple that got up to run away with his rifle. So, one machine gun position silenced, you know, in the midst of raking machine gun fire and artillery barrage, one destroyed, alleviates the pressure to a degree. Now, there's Germans spread all throughout the wood line, but at this point, the pressure briefly has alleviated from Bravo Company. Garcia makes his way back to his men, and just about right when he gets there, a second machine gun opens up, and we're, you know, the same thing. Deja vu. They are pinned down again, and they wait as artillery and mortars start to rain down in their position. So, without hesitation, Garcia gets up and assaults forward to his second machine gun position of that day. Now, we've talked about this before, but one person charging a machine gun position is that is It's death it's suicide just about. So this is a position that has an entire company pinned down. And the reason I say position and not just machine gun is at the very least, usually machine gun, machine guns have a team. So usually at the very least it's a gunner and then either an assistant gunner or maybe an ammo carrier or somebody else there to help them operate the weapon. Maybe they're changing barrels. Maybe they're pointing out targets. Maybe they're defending the rear so the machine gunner can focus forward. Garcia, that's so you have at the least two people with a devastating weapon system, which makes it very, very challenging to overtake that position with a rifle. But Garcia charges forward nonetheless, and he doesn't come across a machine gunner and an assistant gunner. He comes across seven people in that bunker. He destroys the machine gun, kills three, and takes four prisoner prisoners, And moves back to friendly lines. Having now knocked out two machine guns, he's alleviated the stress from his company. They can get up and continue with their advance through the hurricane forest. Garcia would refuse medical treatment. Remember he was wounded right out the gate initially in this engagement. Refused medical treatment until his company was able to move forward and complete their objectives for the day. Garcia, during the time of this action, was a private. Remember we said acting squad leader. Acting squad leader is a private. That's crazy. Um, but would go on by the end of the war which at this point only has about six months left we're kind of coming up on the end here we promoted to staff sergeant before the end of the war he would survive the war he would come home and in 1945 president truman would award him the medal of honor making him the first ever mexican immigrant recipient of the medal of honor two years later in 1947 he would become a u.s citizen he would live in texas after uh, after coming back from the war and unfortunately, at the age of 52 in 1972, Garcia would die in a car accident, I believe in Sugarland, Texas. But really cool story for the first Mexican immigrant recipient of the Medal of Honor, taking out two machine gun positions in the Hurtgen Forest, you know, days before the Germans launched their, their last major counterattack of the war. So Garcia, facing some of the stiffest resistance that the Germans have put up to this point, takes it upon himself to alleviate the stress from his men, save their lives by knocking out machine gun positions that had him pinned down. So Staff Sergeant Marsario Garcia, by the time he left the service, awarded the Medal of Honor for actions on November 27, 1944, during the Battle of the Hurricane Forest. Hey, thanks for listening to War Stories.